Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Uh, another Sunday with some great beers and good combo. Oh, that's that's yet to be seen or heard, really. The good combo <laughs> part. <laughs> that's true. We hoped for it. <laughs> Hopes usually tend to fade away, yeah. so we'll see. So, uh, Derek Warren here. I got uh, Matt from Mass Beer Reviews, yeah, buddy. and Billy from Backyard Ale House. Howdy, George is uh, surprised traveling, Do- doing George yeah, things. He's uh, he's on the road. He's Georging. <laughs> Ooh, that's what we should start calling stuff. See if that catches on. Yeah. All right. So today uh, we're on the show. We have Night Shift Brewing from good old Everett, Massachusetts, right outside the Boston area. We're talking to Rob Burns, a co-founder brewer up at the brewery, and getting into all the things that are going on there. Really. I don't want to say up and coming because I feel like they have arrived, but, you know, I don't know how other people view that. It's just to me, I'm kind of knowing of them. Yeah, they have a lot of play. Um, I mean, we were close to them, so you don't know how they play mm. nationally, but I mean, That's locally, yeah. they're 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 pretty popular. And you guys, um, you and George were just up there, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, we were, when we did our Boston trip, we stopped over at the brewery for a bottle release, and if George was here, he would remember what it is. I, uh, El, I um, it's their, It was their chilled milk stout. El yeah, Elchador. that's yeah, it. Okay. Barrel-aged milk stout. Yeah, we were up there for the release of that, which was nice. to actually see how they handle stuff like that. It's it's always fun to see those crazy bottle releases when people are waiting in long lines for to grab a bottle. And Was there yeah. any physical altercations or no? No, that one was actually pretty cool. It was pretty laid back. There wasn't really any uh, of that. Thankfully, I don't. I don't understand how people get that mad about things, but yeah, whatever. It's just so weird. Like I love beer, but I hate lines. It's like yeah. it's like emotional distress all at yeah. one time. Yeah. If it wasn't know? such a beautiful, if it was a beautiful day when we were there, that's what made it like kind of cool because you're yeah. able to stand outside and just relax a little bit in a nice little area. And where they're at too, they're kind of. Uh, it's not crazy city like right there, so you're kind of a little away from things. So it's really nice though, but it's a good time. All right, so before we get anything else, getting a little bit of beer news. Uh, another uh, acquired brewery this week by good old AB and Bev. I have a feeling this is going to now, you know, they were quiet for, what, almost five months up to last week, and they bought another brewery, and uh, now they're on a roll again, so we'll see yeah. how this goes. But this week they went international, and they picked up what was considered Italy's most popular craft brewery, Bira del Borgo. Uh, so, I mean, they're going all over with it, and it's going to be interesting to see. Like we said, like you know, they're they're doing this kind of hopscotch with it. So I don't know where they're going to land with all these things. And it's interesting to see them go to Italy. I mean, there are a bunch of really nice mm-hmm. breweries out of Italy, um, but it's just like to see that it's kind of that's how you know it's global. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, really, you, know, you don't think of Italy when you think of craft beer, yeah. but the the scene's blowing up there, and it's it's definitely showing that they want to get in at every corner of they the world. They want to cover everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised if like you see a Japanese one snagged up soon because it's another growing area. Like the whole Asian market is starting to really get going, and it's gonna be interesting to see where they go because I think that's gonna be another keyed in area that or Australia, you know, some of these areas. It's, it's weird. It's weird one though. I, I'm sure it'll happen eventually, but there's like that market usually doesn't sell. They're pretty, um, they stick close to the vest when it comes to like owning their property and not like letting it go. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, I don't know. It depends on how much money you're waving. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of, it seems to be where it all kind of has been going. All right. So another one, uh, this was kind of an interesting, funny one. Uh, New Glarus, a brewery, a lot of people know and love and try to seek out their beers. Uh, on their Instagram in February, there was a photo put up of February, uh, February, February <laughs> of, of equipment. <laughs> and it said underneath, guess what this is? And people started guessing it was a canning line and whoever was running their Instagram account said you're right and kind of had just sat around for a while everyone's freaking out thinking they're getting a canning line and we can't well just this week they kind of realized that there was a giant screw up and they actually didn't have a canning line there it was a kegging line and the guy that was running it or girl I don't know uh, kind of messed up and let people think it was a canning line so Glarus is not April Fools or yeah, no this was this yeah. and, that, and that's why I bl- yeah. blurted out February because it's yeah. just like it was, sat that long yeah this was yeah. not a joke that, that kind of got away from them like th- this has been sitting around for like two months and uh, so I don't know. Maybe someone lost their job over that one. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I doubt it depends. It. I, it just kind of depends. I think how it was uh, filtered through after time. We, we don't know a lot Do of people breweries. get that emotional over a brewery switching to cans. Like, is it that like nowadays? Well, yeah. plus New Glarus. Yeah, it, I think that's mostly that it was New Glarus because they're they're you know hyper regional. Yeah, and, but just globally sought out. So I think like anything they do, it's a little different. People were just kind of like, what's this going to do? And that and that was my thought. 
lot. Like, like we don't know actually how breweries are run or whatever. But like when you, I think Nuclear, I think of like mom and pop kind of mm-hmm. like I think of like Lambeau Field. I think of Wisconsin. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I think of it's run like that. So whoever did it, they probably went, oh shucks, don't do that. Ah, <laughs> oh, gee golly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leave it to Beavers running the brewery on the Charlie Geeman. <laughs> Sorry, I did that. All right, so some of the new beers we'll get into coming out. Uh, now, Stone Enjoy by a lot of people know that IPA they have. They've been doing a little bit of variations with. They had a black IPA. Well, now they have a tangerine IPA coming out in that line. It'll be interesting to see how that one is. Uh, now, another one that's kind of disputed over the quote-unquote craft tag, but the Not Your Father's Root Beer that came out everyone was freaking out about. Well, they now made the announcement they're going to be releasing. They have a 10.7 ABV version of that. They're going to be releasing that nationally now. They actually have a 10 and they have a 19 yeah, version too. One, it's yeah. always been Good lord. Yeah. yeah, it's been in house and they never released yeah. those other ones, but I guess I think a 10% and 19 you can get it if you go to If the you go to place. the yeah, if you go to to wherever they have everything set up, I think you can you can have it but, there, but they never distributed anywhere. So I think no. I'm wondering if that's going to lead to that one coming out too, maybe like a seasonal thing of the 19%. But this is going to be released nationally the 10.7 ABV one. And here's the thing with not your father's root beer, a lot of people who are into beer kind of poop on it. Do you know what I mean? And it's not really beer cuz it's not like, I don't think it's a fermented product anyway. No, it's a malt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's like everybody out there makes fun of it. They're absolutely going to try it. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely, you're all oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to try yeah. it. You're going to try it. We're all going to yeah. try it. So. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Especially when you throw that big ABV on anything. It's kind of yeah. like, hey, I'm going to know. And uh, finally, uh, Ballast Point, their Marlin uh, Porter. People have really love that one. I was a fan of that one. They're doing a variation on that called Mocha Marlin, a coffee porter. That's going to be getting bottled soon, so that'll be interesting. They're really doing crazy variations with pretty much every beer now. Everything Since that announcement with everything, with their buyout and all that, went on, they have just been doing a ton of variations on their beers, which is awesome to see. Like They're just really getting involved with all this different stuff. A lot of breweries are kind of just doing newer things, like old traditional breweries and stuff like that are mm-hmm. starting to just, I don't know if they feel the weight of like beer scene changing or whatever or they're just trying to do all kinds of different stuff so it's cool I'm sure there's a big part of that too I mean, that, that's just the way the ones that have been around kind of these lineage breweries that they've become just because they've existed for you know 20 years <laughs> that doesn't really seem like it'd be a lineage thing but the way things are now yeah that's even really older ones I drank, yeah. a, I drank a Belgian quad that was made in Belgium that was brewed with coffee and chocolate last night oh wow and Chimay is barrel aging their Grand Reserve now they're going to be putting out a barrel aged version of that so you even have breweries that have been around for centuries yeah. try, they have to keep up oh, I'm sure know? yeah that's good going to really dictate where things are going. It's kind of being pushed on them instead of them pushing something out. <laughs> All right, so let's get into a little bit of this beer. We have in our glass now the first one from Night Shift. This is their Whirlpool. This is uh, an American AP, yeah, an American APA, an American <laughs> Pale Ale. Uh, it's 4.5% ABV, really, really super light, nice drinking, uh, really light, super refreshing. This is, like, great for as you get into summer and everything. But what's nice with this one, like, when you pour it, it looks like a little brother of like a New England hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it kind of has that appearance of. Or like Billy said, Billy mentioned it looked uh, very Whittish, mm-hmm. Belgian Whittish. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it has that ha- like that like light uh, colored haze that you would you would expect out of I don't know maybe like a Ho Garden or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, I didn't have a. I usually have a grapefruit in the morning. I didn't have it, so it's nice I get to have it in a <laughs> yeah. glass, and it's just pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, it's really nice. It, the, the fruit flavors on this are like just really intense with it. That's what's nice coming through. Like this tropical citrus fruit. Is just really, really there, and it's got a little bit of a. Cre- it, it definitely you can tell it's a little bit of a lighter ABV because it's not a super heavy mouthfeel, but it still has that that creaminess within it and everything too, which is really nice. And that's a little you don't see that much with this kind of take on it. And that's the, I mean that's the cusp or the the reason why people love the New England IPAs with the haze. You have the haziness, and you kind of disperse that flavor, and it lingers a lot longer than your atypical beer. It doesn't finish finishes dry, but it just kind of lasts and lingers yeah. and sits on your palate as opposed to just clean. And it's nice that this is is a a pale ale done because it's not overly intense like the hops. It's not super, you know, resiny or anything. Like that. It just really has this nice. It's not in your face. Yeah, yeah. it just got this really nice touch to it that makes it so easy drinking because it, it, it's just not going to really kill your palate after like one of them. You can actually kind of keep going with it a little bit and having a light ABV too, which is really nice and just like a really nice showcase. Like if I walked in, like I've always said, like the great thing to try when you walk into a brewery you're not sure of is either if they have a pale ale or a pilsner on tap. Try that; it'll tell you everything you need to know. If I walk didn't have this, I am going to work those tap lines all the way from front to back because this is just like to start out with this just really shows this is a brewery that knows what they're doing. Yeah, this is honestly, this is like, hey, I'm going to play a round of golf. I want a six pack of this yeah. for the ride. This yeah. is quintessential summer beer. This is be this would be a great one to give to someone that wants to get into craft beer that isn't kind of because it's not 
overly aggressive, but it's got all these really nice balances and this really subtle flavor. And it's cutting edge, I guess, if you will, as to where the craft beer scene has been going. Now. I would also offer that, you know, someone who's maybe been challenged by hops in the past, yeah. you know, they would probably acclimate to this a lot yeah. easier. Yeah, it's not overpowering or anything. All right, so we're going to take a break, and after the break, we're going to be joined by Rob Burns, uh, co-founder brewer up at Night Shift, and we're going to get into all these great beers they have and the whole story behind the brewery. So stay tuned here on the Beer Geeks, WILK. Do you own your own business? If so, I want you to think of a number. Think of the amount of funding you need right now to take your business to the next level. Do you have it? Whether that number is 5000 250000 or even more, pick up the phone right now. Because BFS Capital can provide funds in as little as 48 hours for virtually any type of business wanting to grow. Call 1-800-600-3211. Even if you can get a loan from a bank, the process can take months, but you need money now. BFS Capital makes it easy. Get approved today and see the funds you need in your account within 48 hours. Use the money to expand your business, purchase equipment, advertise, or to help with cash flow. For over 14 years, BFS Capital has provided businesses of all sizes over $1 billion in funding. Take advantage now and call 1-800-600-3211. That's 1-800-600-3211. Business fundings only. Loans may be provided by third parties and subject to lender approval. Here's the WILK community calendar. River Run Rehab and Nursing Center, 615 Wyoming Ave in Kingston, is holding the American Lung Association's Better Breathers Support Group on the last Thursday of every month. There will be lung disease education, medication updates, breathing techniques, guest speakers, and more. It is free and open to the public, and refreshments will be served. The WILK community calendar is brought to you by Guardianscapes, your total outdoor construction service, located in Bloomsburg, guardianscapes.com. To get your event on the WILK community calendar just email us at feedback at wilknewsradio.com it's here here hazelton kia america's newest kia dealership a brand new state-of-the-art facility a car buying experience so unique it will stop the other dealers dead in their tracks the grand opening of hazelton kia Every new or certified pre-owned Kia purchase comes with a lifetime of free oil changes and unlimited car washes. Hazelton Kia, 701 Airport Road, Hazel Township. Showroom open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. Saturdays, 9 till 6. Express service open seven days a week. Hazelton Kia, America's newest Kia dealership. Always exceeding your expectations. Hazelton Kia is here. Visit HazeltonAutomall.com. At Medicap Pharmacy, our number one priority is always your health and well-being. Hi, this is Eric Pusey, owner and pharmacist of the Medicap Pharmacy. It is my privilege to provide you with the highest level of service quality and customer service possible. I, along with our caring staff at Medicap, are dedicated to offering you the finest prescriptions, medications, and healthcare products available on the market today. As a part of the Mid Valley and Valley View communities for over 10 years, we consider you as part of our family, and we'll always go the extra mile to prove. What are you trying to tell us, Kat? <laughs> just start dumping all our calls. And You're <laughs> awesome. There's <laughs> papers flying everywhere in there. I don't know. Kat's freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're back here in the Beer Geeks WLK. And uh, joining us now on the phone, we have from Night Shift Brewing, Rob Burns, co-founder brewer up at the brewery. So we're going to see. Rob, how you doing today, bud? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, not a problem. We're enjoying some phenomenal beers from you guys. Awesome. So let's get in a little bit with, with the whole story behind it. So when did you first get into brewing? Uh, I started getting into home brewing back in college. I went uh, to school up in Maine. And my my senior year, I bought uh, Dog for Shed, uh, Sam Caligione's book on brewing up a business. And uh, I, I bought my first homebrew kit. And I, I started brewing in my dorm room. And then uh, when I moved uh, down to Boston right after graduation, I moved in with uh, one of my other color, uh, co-founders, and we just started homebrewing like crazy. So you, you were the uh, uh, popular kid in the dorms then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beer wasn't very good. It was mainly used for beer pong. but uh, <laughs> We are in college. Does that really matter? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So what was it that inspired you though to, to get into that? Um, I, I started getting really interested in, in trying to understand why beers tasted different from each other. Like, why was this one darker? Why was this one more bitter? Why was it fruity or piney? And that curiosity led me to, to want to play around with the ingredients and, and, and get a sense, uh, like a hands-on sense of, of what makes a beer different. And that, that kind of kicked it off, and then it kind of became an obsession, spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> so when was the decision made then for you to open up the brewery? When did, how did that come about? Uh, so myself and my other two uh, co-founders, we lived together, and we uh, homebrewed for, for about five or six years. And then around like 2010, 2011, we started throwing these parties in our, in our apartment uh, in Somerville, Mass., uh, where we would, you know, have eight different homebrewers on tap, and everyone was required to fill out comment cards uh, before they left, and and we did that for a little while. And eventually, we were like, people were like, "Wow, I would actually buy this over, you know, the, the stuff I see in the store." So uh, that kind of convinced us to spend the next year writing a business plan, talking to different brewers, visiting breweries, and we got open, and eventually we got open. Um, February of 2012. So now, are you you from the Boston area then? I am not. I'm actually from PA. I grew up uh, outside of Philadelphia in Bucks County. Oh, okay. So how did you guys land on that? That's not really a a cheap decision, I guess I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Boston is definitely not a cheap place to live or do business in. You know, we get the nickname of Taxachusetts. But uh, it, it came down to kind of uh, the laws uh, around breweries at the time. The, for what we were trying to do, the laws in Mass were a little more favorable than PA, you know, with the case limits. And, and uh, at the time, you couldn't do pints in the, the tap rooms at breweries in PA. Um, so we just, we just figured we were going to start off with kind of a specialty 750 milliliter bottles. And, you know, we, you could sell those at every liquor store, uh, you know, one for one, not buying like a case of them. And that, that, that kind of led us to the decision. Well, I have to say, I'm glad to, you know, be part of the New England scene for you guys or anything, but it's kind of disappointing for us now to hear that, that you could have been right here in our own backyard. <laughs> but I know, I know. <laughs> so what's the story behind the name of the brewery then? Uh, the name came from the fact that we used to homebrew during the week after we came home uh from our day job so we would you know start brewing at like 6 or 7 p.m at night you know what whatever day of the week it was tuesday wednesday and then you know we'd be up to midnight one o'clock uh brewing and it, it literally was kind of our night shift hobby and then we decided to go with that as our as our name um now it's kind of our day and night shift but <laughs> So when you were putting this together and you got the name and everything, what was kind of the initial idea you guys had for the brewery? I mean, did you kind of see where you are now as far as beer styles and what you were brewing and and what took off? Or was it kind of you were just doing what you knew and just seeing what caught on? Uh, It's definitely been an evolution and and somewhat of a roller coaster since we started. I mean, we really started with the premise of trying to make beers that did not exist, that explored unique ingredient or flavor profiles and uh and that's that's kind of what we were set on for a little while we we didn't do any hoppy beers for like the first year of business um now that was for a couple different reasons but you know we were really trying to do something a little bit more unique a little bit more food driven um and then it kind of evolved from there uh, and also as like our scale changed, we had more flexibility to do other things that we previously didn't. Um, you know, when we started, we were, we were based, we were on a three barrel brew house, um, and you know, something like cans weren't feasible, but as we grew, they, they became more and more feasible and, and a better option for us. Um, but we've, we've always kind of, it's been nice being small because we can react to the market and react to what customers are saying and, you know, we're not, you know, we don't have millions of dollars of swag, of, you know, for a brand that we're tied to or, or anything like that. You know, we're not trying to push any dying brands. We kill brands all the time um, and start new ones. 
so you're saying when you first started, you didn't really have hoppy beers. Was that like a, a, a really made decision, or was it kind of the issue with getting hop contracts, or, or was it kind of a play on both? It was both, yeah. It, it was, uh, we didn't have the hops that we wanted to brew for the IPA that we wanted to make. Um, and then we also were like, eh, everyone's making IPAs. You know, there's so many IPAs, it's so crowded. You know, why would we ever put out another IPA? <laughs> you know, what makes it different than any other one? Um, which now in hindsight is kind of hilarious because now hoppy beers are like around 60 or 70% of what we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we kind of did a huge 180 there. Um, you know, we we have several IPAs now. And uh, when before our thinking was there's too many IPAs and now we have multiple. So when you have to pay rent, that'll change that really quick on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have had some pretty fast growth from when, you know, from just opening to now. Was that kind of almost immediate? Like we had Treehouse on and then they were talking about because of that home brewing background, did you already have like a, a decent clientele? People were lining up right away and it was just this really quick turnaround. And you're always at max capacity or has it been this slow, steady growth into it? Uh, it it's, it's definitely been pretty explosive um, since we started. I think... You know, back when we started, our beers definitely weren't the best, uh, but they were interesting and they were unique. And I think we did, you know, a relatively good job of branding and, and, and promoting ourselves. Um, but we, we've been pretty much running at full capacity since day one. Um, and the, our wait list even today still exceeds the places that sell our, or carry our beer. Um, more than half of the beer gets sold out of the tap room. Uh, in Everett, Mass, and um, and yeah, we've been we've been more than doubling production every year, and are still struggling to keep up. But we we don't ever have like empty tank space or anything like that. As soon as we can afford a tank, we buy it, fill it up, and keep going. Let's talk about, um, um, I always uh, heard of you guys, actually heard of you guys uh, first through like um, your uh, Barrel Society. Um, you pretty much sure. did that out of the shoot, which is, I mean, bottle societies are all the rage now, but I mean, back in 2012, I mean, you had the brewery a couple of places, but it wasn't really a big thing. What? How do you guys, um, how does that affect your business and sales? And two, like, why did you guys hit the ground running with the Barrel Society? Um, it was definitely something that we really wanted to do from the get-go. Uh, but we needed a little bit of time to kind of establish our name before we, we felt comfortable convincing people to give us money with for beers that they never had before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we started, we, 2012 was our first year of business, and we sold Barrel Society memberships the fall of 2012, starting in 2013. And we really did it because we were so small and we were selling everything, but, you know, at the end of the day, we were not really making any money. Um, and we wanted to, you know, we couldn't convince a bank or anything. So we wanted to get the next step, um, which at that time was buying like seven barrel fermenters, which we thought were going to be huge and, and awesome. Um, and we did that to raise some money. And I think we raised, uh, we had like 200 members that year and we raised maybe like 40,000 bucks. Um, and, and, you know, those people definitely took a chance on us and, and believing that we could execute. And uh, it went fairly well. Um, and now, you know, now this year we have, I think, like 1,400 members. Um, yeah, like, come on, and, baby. Yeah, Better, you should need to start a new kind of Kickstarter or something like that. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't suck. So that's awesome. Yeah, we have, a, you know, a great, a great set of members. It's definitely a lot to manage now, like, we pretty much have a, an employee dedicated to Man the Barrel Society. Um, it's amazing how many emails a day we get from members just asking the most random stuff. And um, but, but at the end of the day, they've helped us build our brewery to where it is today, and they're definitely some of our most loyal. They're followers. You know, they're not always. They don't always love every beer that we put out, uh, and they're not usually afraid to say it. But. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for better or worse. Um, but yeah, we put a lot of time and effort and, and, and energy into trying to make sure that we put out seven awesome beers and those usually get the priority over everything. Um, but it, it's definitely been a challenge to manage people's expectations. 
Now, as this is as this has grown for you guys with everything and the IPA is taking off, has as you have you really seen like a, a huge change in getting hop contracts a lot easier? Because I mean, we still hear from some you know non huge breweries that are still having issues getting some of these hops that are really sought after. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely challenging still. Uh, I mean, now that we've been in business for several years, we now have better contracts in place, so we're in a, a little bit of a better spot. Um, than we than we were when we opened. Like you can't even get it. Most places won't give you a contract until you actually open and have all your brewer's licenses. So, like, you, no matter how hard you plan ahead as a home brewer trying to go pro, you know, you're kind of stuck yeah. waiting, like, two, three years before you could actually get anything that, you know, you probably want in, in any sort of quantity. Um, but there's still, there's still, like, uh, Whirlpool one of our main selling beers and we definitely have demand to, to probably double if not triple production of it but we just don't have the, the, the hops for it um, so it is what it is um, for this year and next year we have more to we'll double it next year um, but. It's, it's it's one of those struggling things you're kind of always up against you know of farmers. I mean, they have a limited amount of supply, so it's kind of one of those things people are always going to be button heads about, especially as this continues to grow. Sure. I mean, I think, too, one of the challenges is just people's taste buds are, or flavor profiles are evolving and changing. I mean, most of the beers that we have out today didn't even exist for us like two years ago. So yeah. even as a brewery that's been around for, you know, four years, it's still very hard to predict. So I'm a, understand. Sorry, man. Uh, like uh, I'm a big art guy. I love the love the logo. I love the hop owl. Is the owl just a night shift thing, like a working overnight kind of thing, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, it just it just came from. We had the name first when we were starting starting up, and we were trying to look for something to embody that. And uh, one of my other co-founders, uh, Mike Mike Oxton, he came up with the idea of like, what about an owl? And at first, honestly, I thought it was the stupidest logo. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> we're not going to have a freaking owl. Like, and then he's like, Let, give me some time, give me some time. And, and then he realized that the body could look like a hop, hop, hop cone. And we were like, okay, okay. And there is a, a very original drawing where the owl is like kind of like a fuzzy teddy bear <laughs> hop cone. That is pretty embarrassing if that ever comes out. Um, but and then eventually he drew he drew uh, the, the little current logo today. So what you're saying we need to get somebody kind of like espionage style to go find this logo and leak it to the internet, please. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, all the rage now. A lot of breweries like to come out with like really crappily drawn cans now. So it might be one of those things where it's like kind of like cool to be weird or yeah. crappy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys are growing, do you see yourself, do you want to be more of like a, a large regional brewery or do you see yourself getting into, not like a national footprint is like, you know, 50 states, but, uh, you know, getting out west or something, or do you want to be more of like a large regional brewery as this continues to grow for you guys? Uh, I mean, our our goals are kind of always a little bit shifting. I mean, when we started the brewery, we never expected to be this big, this fast, this soon. So we're kind of out. This is always an ongoing debate amongst you know myself and the other founders as well as as well as our staff. Um, but I, I, right now, our, our thinking is somewhat of a large regional player. Uh, I think, especially with the hoppy beers, uh, freshness is is king, uh, and access to the, that local market uh, is very important. I mean, we you know West Coast beers are great, but. I can get a beer on the liquor store shelf, you know, the next day after it's packaged because we, we also self-distribute all our beer. So um, we don't even have that layer of it going to a distributor sitting for a few weeks while they figure out what to do with it. Um, you know, we, 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 can, we can bring the freshest, best tasting beer to market fastest. And if we got too big, um, I don't think it would be yeah. good for the beer, good for the brand. and. Um, good for the consumer. So, what is your distro like for you guys now? Like, where where are you guys? Are you outside of Massachusetts at all, or is it just all within that state? Uh, it's pretty much like last year was like ninety nine point nine percent in Mass. Uh, we sell to about a hundred liquor stores and about fifty or so bars uh, around the Boston area, um, and we we do sell a little bit of beer in, in Maine. That was mostly because our college wanted it for alumni events. 
Um, and so we set up a you know contract with a distributor up there, and they always not nag us, but beg us or plead with us or bargain with us to, to send up some some beer. Um, and and Portland, Maine is is a great market for yeah. for craft beer anyway. So it's, it's definitely not a uh, a negative oh, on definitely. our part. All right, so let's get into a little bit of beer. We have Morph in the glass right now. So is this kind of, this is your rotating IPA, like the rotating hop IPA. Was this kind of what you had planned from the get-go, or was this just something that, you know, evolved around your hop contract and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, this is an idea that we started doing almost two years ago now. It was summer of 2014, uh, where we wanted to can uh, a regularly available IPA. Uh, but we didn't have any sort of contract to sustain uh, like a year-round IPA option. So we came up with the idea of like, well, what if we created a brand name and we just buy the best hops, the sexiest hops we can find on the spot market uh, and always try to make, you know, the absolute best IPA that we can at the moment with the ingredients we have at hand. And that's kind of the general premise behind it. And it, it's been it's been a huge success for us. Um, it's it's always different. Hopefully, it's always you know world class and delicious. Uh, but you know sometimes it's a little more pioneer. Sometimes it's a little more fruity. Uh, sometimes you know like we have one coming out next week that has a little bit of rye in it, which is not typically in the base uh, beer. But we're also you know tweaking the malt bill. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, it, it, we kind of used it to also crowdsource. Our current flagship IPA, um, Centilli, based on customer feedback from the various batches. So that was also like a so not a, not so secret agenda behind the Morph <laughs> beer too. So how how often are not, you doing the Morph beers, and how often are they coming out? The the different variations on them. It's it's kind of fluctuated over the last two years, but right now we're we're coming out basically every two weeks with a new wow. beer. Uh, that's that's packaged in the morph, which is a little bit challenging. That's that's the fastest we've ever done it. Um, it's definitely a little challenging to make sure we have it's not the exact same, and that the, yeah. the brewers can come up with a new hop profile or a new base beer or something that they're thinking about. Well, I can tell you this one's phenomenal. We've all I think uh, two of them already worked it all through their glasses. They're empty already. So that's, that's always a good sign. <laughs> So when right. can well, people come up and, vi and visit you guys? Like where you guys are in Everett. When when can people stop by the tap room? When are you guys open? We're open seven days a week. Uh, during the week right now, it's like twelve to ten, and then Saturday is twelve or Fridays and Saturdays is twelve to eleven, and then Sunday is twelve to six. Uh, we're, we're hopefully expanding the hours a little bit more than that uh, sometime this summer, but there's usually plenty of options to come by. No, definitely, and I, I highly recommend everybody does. And, and, Rob, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We have some more beers we're going to work through after we come back from a break and everything, but the beers we've had are phenomenal. You guys are absolutely killing it, and it's great to see everything that's going on up in the Boston scene, the beer scene. You guys are really killing it up there and doing some really great things. Thanks. Glad you guys enjoyed. Hey, not a problem. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Thanks. So another good chat with a great brew, and these guys are just absolutely it, it, just starting from that homebrew background, the way that they did it too, was always an awesome thing to see. That it wasn't uh, it wasn't out of you know necessity. It was just kind of they really wanted to get into it, and they they grew it out yeah. the right way naturally. Three things I learned from that interview was one, um, he uh, you uh, if you want to make it happen, you make it happen. There's some <laughs> inspirational stuff for you. Number Hang two, that on your wall. Number two, I forget, <laughs> and number three. Um, <laughs> PA, you're driving away our brewers. Come on, change yeah. your laws so they can stay in house so we can get even better brewers. Come yeah, on. That, that, that's that like was, literally it was like, yeah, we can't do this in PA. Let's go somewhere yeah. else. That's yeah. that. that that's it's horrible. What he said. Yeah, it was it was the whole <laughs> pine thing, which has now changed, which is great. But it was just like you know that that is an awful thing when you hear that, and, and especially when you're drinking this, and you're like, oh man, I can have this like anytime I want, and. Eh. What are you going to do? As long as we can have them now, that's all that matters. So, all right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have some more great beers we're going to try from Night Shift Brewing here on Beer Geeks, WILK.
If you're looking for carpeting or flooring, do what I did. I went right to Giant Floor. See, what they do differently is they buy massive quantities. I was actually in their warehouse. It's absolutely enormous. Every color, every size, every texture. So they buy in huge volume. They cut out the middle guys. You get great quality carpeting or flooring at a price you can actually afford. Giant Floor with three locations, Scranton, Wilkesbury, and the Poconos. Giant Floor, best price, best selection, giant difference. Built for business. In business, time is money. In business, money is also money. No wonder nearly a thousand businesses choose Comcast Business Internet over DSL from the phone company every single day. Not only is it up to five times faster, it's actually a better value when you go with the fastest plan. So take a minute out of your busy schedule and call Comcast Business. It will be well worth your time and your money. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add voice and TV for just $34.90 a month. And ask about our two-year price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offerance 531.16. Restrictions apply. Limited to one voice line and private view TV for new customers. Two-year contract required. Requires Comcast Business Internet and an additional monthly charge. Equipment taxes and fees including broadcast TV fee extra. Savings claim based on cost per megabits per second. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second, 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. Gentiva Home Health has been proudly offering care in homes throughout our community. Improving health, strengthening support, and building relationships. And now Gentiva is becoming part of the Kindred at Home family, making that care even stronger. Call 1-866-KINDRED and a registered nurse can walk you through care options that best fit your needs. Gentiva is now Kindred at Home, and making your life easier is just one more way Kindred continues the care. If your idea of family time means inviting the kids to watch you replace your intake manifold gasket, then CarQuest Auto Parts is for you. If you wonder why your wife is going shoe shopping when you just changed her brakes last week, then CarQuest is for you. CarQuest is for those who really know and care about their car. And now, save up to $30 after mail-in rebate when you purchase CarQuest Gold Brake Pads and two rotors. CarQuest is serious auto parts. See participating source for details. Do you need quality traffic information when you're not near a radio? You can get it free by downloading the Enrix Traffic app. Enrix is the world's leading supplier of quality traffic information. They analyze nearly 2 billion data points per day to create real-time and predictive traffic information in 40 countries around the world. It's great for travelers. Be on time for the important people and events in your life. Download the Enrix Traffic app from the iOS or Android store and learn more online at Enrix.com. That's I-N-R-I-X.com. Derek's giving me yeah. the blank stare. There comes, I, there's cer- All right, I'm going to confess her now. I'm not one of the, like, I understand he passed away and it's sad. And uh, I, there's a lot of songs I grew up with, but I am not going to be one of those people that's like, oh, who's my favorite singer? Like, you see everybody posting right now, which, you know what? He wasn't for a lot of you. I'm just going to tell you right now. Right? Well, he was, how it is. It was one of those things where, like, it, it, some people might not have been into him, um, mm. but he was, old, he was universally he respected. He was yes. a musician's musician. Yeah. And I was born and raised in New Jersey, so by law, I have to <laughs> like Prince. And uh, I, I don't dislike him. I love they revoked him. the license. I have my I have my card. I have my mix. I have my uh, my mixtape my card. tapes. Not even t- mixtapes. Yeah. I got tapes. A, ba- a plastic garbage bag full of Prince tapes in my uh, attic to show you <laughs> if you want to. If you want to, to give you the. No, it's just one of those things that you see a lot of people posting. It's like, oh, yeah. it just I mean, it happens every time when people pass away like that. That it's just, yeah, yeah I understand what he did, and I, I like a lot of his music and stuff. But I wasn't gonna ever be one of the claims that because it's like just that 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 little tidbit right there. He was a Matt, wicked guitar player. Oh God, yeah, great guitar player. Uh, made one of the best. He made the best um, music movie of all time. Even though it was really creepy, it was basically about. Oh, he did Cool as Ice. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Someone's going to get that out there. Vanilla Ice is one moment to shine. And he brought Morris Day in the Time to all of us in fair fashion. You don't even know who I'm talking about right now, do you? Morris Day in the Time? Yeah. yeah. The band? 
Oh my god! Like we can't be friends anymore. I, 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 <laughs> I see. I'm bad with names in general. Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. Yeah, you've seen that the band yeah. plays at the end of that. Movie. Oh yeah, okay. I knew the name when you're saying it, but I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. all right. That was like his sidekick. He was always like the the guy who was like his um um whatever we don't want to call it. the person he battled against in all his movies. Even though he's another musician. Mm, okay. Anyway, let's get off Prince. All right, so let's get on our beer. In our glass now, we have from Night Shift. This is their Awake. This is uh, an American Porter brewed with fresh coffee, uh, 6.7% ABV. And you know me, I'm a coffee fiend, so I love when anybody plays around with that. And this is really nicely done. Like in the aroma, you just get this huge punch of fresh coffee in it. And it doesn't have that astringency or bitterness that you get sometimes when you put a little bit too much in there. Yeah, there's a little bitter in there to ba- kind of yeah. bounce off with the sweetness, but it's not It's not that, yeah, that astringent no. bitterness. Yeah. Is just, ugh, I had a beer last night that had that, and it's just kind of that, That's the off. one thing that puts me off when you have a coffee beer and you, and you have that. It's just, you can tell, like, how it was brewed. It, it just, it's it's rough. Like, it's just, like, this really kind of rough, almost grittiness to it that just kind of detracts. Like, you want it to be really smooth, like a good cup of coffee. Like, that's how I, when I when I have a beer with coffee, and that's how I want it to be. I want it to be just, like, a really smooth cup of coffee. Yeah, I mean, we did the show with um, Electric City Roasting Company, yeah. and like, you can really manhandle coffee and turn oh, it into God, something yeah. evil. You know what I mean? So it's like when you, if you do it and do it right, it works out well just in a coffee front. So when you're dealing with a beer, you can't skip that step. I think a lot of brewers will be like, "Oh, we're putting coffee in there." It, it's it seems like it's one of those things that people have been doing it, but I feel like brewers that are getting into it are still because there's so many different ways to put yeah. it in and yeah. I think that's what it is they haven't dialed in the right way for them to put it in yeah and you can tell like a, a lot of times you can tell when a brewery actually deals with an actual roaster themselves mm-hmm. and has them coming to kind of help but sometimes they still miss the mark and I think there's a uh, maybe some brewers sometimes go oh I'll get a really good coffee or, or coffee tier or whatever yeah. hell, whatever you call coffee people um, a coffee and, tier uh, yeah coffee <laughs> tier it's, it's like the rocketeer but it's cousin but, uh, but uh, best movie but, all right. <laughs> if they don't drink beer or they don't know how to blend the two flavors together, yeah. it's that thing. So you almost have to find a coffee lover that loves beer and a beer lover that loves coffee and kind of... Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like just because you're getting like the best ingredient... Whatever it may be, doesn't mean it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. it's going to make the beer the yeah. best thing in the world. You could yeah. still butcher it completely. Yeah, it yeah I can throw truffles in a microwave. Doesn't mean yeah. it tastes, <laughs> tastes good. Yeah, there, there's so much with that, and it's like you you want to go about that, especially when you're doing these beers. Like you want to have the best kind of ingredients, and and if you're in a region like some of these breweries are, like being near a major city, you have in your backyard. There's always some kind of roaster right around, so you can kind of work with them to get the kind of flavor profile you want. But you really have to know what you're doing on your end, not just rely on them making really good coffee. And at the same time, I would imagine like being a, a, a coffee tier, thank you very much, is uh, is, is kind of like, you know, it's the same road as a brewer, you know what I mean? And they, but it's a little bit more, I guess you would say, advanced in that the, the coffee's grew to prominence a bit before craft boom kind of hit. Yeah. So it's like, there's like a kindred spirit kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And even when we had Let's Down, she was talking about like just the background she had, it was very similar. Yeah. And that's what you see a lot of anything when you're getting in the food and drink business, they're going to have very parallel stories with it because it's like they, they nobody gets into it going I want to put out the crappiest thing that anyone has ever had <laughs> like that that's not a business model for some you might be surprised you might think that it is for some places you've gone to but it, it really generally is not I just well, can't think of Will Ferrell and Elf like congratulations you did it <laughs> your best cup of coffee that's for yeah. being the crappiest product ever dirt I mean you like punk music don't you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. That was a burn. <laughs> no, that was the truth. Whether you perceive it as a burn or not is just a personal perception. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we're putting into our glass now uh, another one from Night Shift. This is, their, this is Firth. This is a Hefeweizen, 5.5%. And this is why I, I love to see, like, what's great with them is, is just, like, if you haven't been up to the brewery, um, it's really nice and it's a beautiful layout. But, like, the, the space that they're working in for brewing and everything, it's great when you can see, like, when we had Mystic on, like, when you get a brewery that can work with what they have, like really knows how to hone in and get this wider range of different styles and, and just do them really well in the space they're working in. It's, it's great to see that. And you can see them putting this out. And this just came out for the first time last year. This is like a relatively new one for them, which I mean, oh, realistically, they haven't really been around that long. So kind of in the, the grand scheme of things, a lot of these are just kind of newer Ooh. ones. But for them, it's, it's like a really nice, the five and a half percent heffy is always, I love a good heffy it's, it's it, I'm, I mean, that's one of the best summer beers ever. It's a lot of beers a lot of people come into the craft beer scene through. Yeah. Um, you know, some people do it in lower um, uh, IPAs. I know I've gotten a lot of friends in through the through the uh, Hefe door. 
And it's a beer. <laughs> the half a door? Half a door. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's one word. Uh, it's um, it, it's an underappreciated yeah. style for a lot of new brewers. Like a lot of your all your old school brewers make them. Oh, but yeah. A lot of new ones don't. So it's cool to see someone do it and do it well because you're going to get a lot of, you're getting a little bit of that banana in there. You're getting all that kind of like a little bit of spiciness. And the clove is like really subtle. And that's, that's yeah. one of those things in the Hefeweizen. I feel like some people um, get put off by when you get that clove because for some people it's 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 a it's a flavor and aroma some people are really sensitive to. I am, and this is yeah. balanced perfect. And that's why that's what's nice with it. It's like it's it's there, but you're not getting beat over the head with it because that that's the problem when you get into some of these styles like the Hefeweizen, where it, it is a lot of it's yeast driven those flavors and aromas, and you put a little bit of spice, but some people do a little too heavy handed, oh, yeah. and that was really what kills this for a lot of beer or a lot of breweries like when they put it out and just too spice driven and just detracts from the beer and because and, this should be super easy drinking like that's what I want on a good Hefeweizen it's just really easy drinking like I want to be able to feel like I can sit on a summer day and just kind of have this on the back porch yeah you, when you when you're dealing with spice it's kind of like how do I put this like a lot of breweries if they make IPAs you know, they go into it and be like, no one ever says, oh, man, I just put a little too much hops in yeah. there. That n- <laughs> never came out of somebody's mouth. I'm sure it has, yeah. but no one ever says that. But so it's like that thing where it's like, okay, I want, I, I like these flavors. Let me put this in here. It's like you, you never really, have too much of a good thing. Yeah. Like, yeah you, if you really you don't know what you're doing, you're yeah. putting a little bit too much spice in there. It can kind of take over the beer completely and just yeah. kind of just make it go into left field. And especially when you're getting into these Belgian styles because you have a very, like I said, the flavor is driven by the yeast, which is very delicate to play with so if you're throwing in too much and you're going to just destroy what you want is like a a nuanced flavor and it's going to become beaten to death with a huge spice profile that wasn't naturally in the beer yeah yeah i mean and 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 like not and again i'm talking kind of like whatever but hops are static like a yeast is is living and growing mm-hmm. and doing things, so it's like it's a little bit of like a wild stallion kind of unpredictability when you, when you're dealing with a beer when it comes to like yeast as opposed to like hops. It's just like I'm putting this amount in here at this time, doing these certain things. Yes, there's variance, but it's it's just a different ball game. So. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more that you have to pay attention to. It's not just subtly reading a, a recipe, which is ultimately what you're doing with most of these beers, but knowing the yeast profile. Yeah, because that that will will change too, and that's why you. See See, a lot of breweries will have like their house yeast or they'll propagate a variation on all these different yeasts that they use themselves so they know instead of having to buy every time buy yeast to come in to, to brew like we do as home brewers you know that can vary from from batch to batch that you're getting sent to you that's why you want to propagate it yourself and you have that so you kind of know what flavor profile you're getting every time because the name of the game is really repeatability because you don't want to get a beer and have it be great and then you get an next time and it's totally different beer or it's bad, or you want to be able to repeat that, that you have the same thing. And yeast, especially in these Belgian beers, is one of the main ways that you can do that. But then there's also to flip the script where it's like a lot of Belgian breweries have have gotten better or newer breweries need to let their yeast kind of mature and like let it grow and let it become something that it can change, especially more your wild yeast. So it's such a... I can't wait until that explosion comes. It's coming and see yeast-based beers getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, yeah. They were huge, and then you know IPAs took over, and then now you see the, the yeasties coming back. So yeah. <laughs> it just it's an, it's an interesting uh, field to just kind of stand back and watch as these you know styles come in and out of favor. And like yeah, the IPA has pretty much stayed pretty dominant for the past few years within this industry. But you've seen the number two spot. Kind of that's where it's kind of ebbing and flowing with where things are going and where people are predicting this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And then you just kind of see this ebb and flow of it. But th- this is definitely these Belgian styles are because I think it's that, uh, you know, classic view on it. Like this is where a lot of bre- beer came from. A lot of brewers were in- inspired by a lot of these styles. No, no, and I get it. I mean, there's like, you know, Belgian beers and East German beers are, are kind of like, you know, they're always going to be there. The same way IPAs aren't going to go anywhere. Yes, there was some waning there, but then when the whole New England IPA thing kind of yep. came back, it just shoved everything back off to the side and go, hey, we ain't going nowhere. You thought we were <laughs> <Yeah>. gone. <laughs> and they pulled us back in kind of deal. And um, But, um, like, and everybody always talks about, you know, sours are coming, sours are coming. Um, but I think it's just there's going to be a leveling of hop versus yeast and yeastiness, and uh, that's going to be a good thing because more good beer is a fantastic thing. All right, so we're pouring our final 
night shift beer into our glass. This is the first one, too. We haven't really been discussed. Like, uh, majority of night shift beers are in cans. Uh, the 16-ounce cans. Yes. The, the, thank you. The 16-ounce cans. Um, the, the one we were doing now we, is the first bottle we were having from them. Uh, this is their Barreled Sun. Uh, it's a Saison. This is a really interesting, just even the description, it, it just kind of shows you where the brewery is and how they have no fear in experimenting. Uh, this is a mixed fermentation Saison that is aged in white wine barrels with lemon and lime zest added. So, I mean, that's like a whole just, and it's 7.7% ABV too. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to taste it. I haven't even tried it yet. So white wine barrels and a, a lot of zest going on. So I'm anticipating a sweet tartness with a little bit yeah. like a super pithiness kind of going on. That's yeah, what I'm the, the, imagining. There's, it's really interesting because these flavors are just playing with each other in such a way like you get all of them. Like the white wine comes through, you, you get it, it's you get the lemon, you get the lime, you get that's it, you feel the, it on your lips. That's one of the most interesting beers I've yeah. had in a really long time. Wow, it's it's definitely like, like we said on here before. The saison is a great style to play around with, but you get all these like the white wine comes through right on your the front of your tongue. It's like the white it smells wine. like a grainy lemon lime soda up front. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm getting like a, a lemon lime like. Um, like a cough droppy Ricola kind of minty vibe or something from it. It's really cool. Yeah, it's like, like it's almost like opening your pores or something like that kind of. Feel. Yeah, like like a eucalyptus. Yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah, from it's, it, it's, but it's, not overpowering. It's interesting because the first sip, like right in the front, the tip of your tongue, you get the white wine, and then as it washes over, it's these like smooth malts, and then the lingering, almost like kind of on your lips a little bit, like the smack is like the little lemon and lime flavoring. That has There's this a like, lot going on, but yeah. it's like it's, it's, it's not it's not like weird or anything. No, it's no, like they really all great. work really yeah. well. Yeah, it's the it's the most brutally gentle beer I've had. <laughs> Like yeah. if that makes, oh, it, it there's makes a ton sense. of flavor beating you. All I'm but thinking is tenacious. You enjoy the beating. Right now. Yeah, it's it's serenading <laughs> you with hate. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's. I don't want to say the safe word. That's kind of yeah, what it's like. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> Pineapple. Um, it's, it's avocado. It's, yeah, there's so much going on in this. It's yeah. it's it's it's. it's Fantastic. Yeah, there, there's just so much that, that it has coming through. And it's great that in the Saison base for this, you still get, you can still tell it's a Saison. That's not lost. And like that's the thing. Like You have it aged in these wine barrels. You're getting that. You're getting the lemon and you're getting the lime, but it's still a Saison. Like You would still say, this is a Saison. You can get that Belgian base from this. I'm getting, like, every time I sip it, I get different stuff. I'm getting, now I'm getting, like, spicy oakiness or something, like a, a weird mesquite burnt wood kind of vibe or something. I don't even know. Like, it's, it's, it's. There's a, this is definitely one that you kind of sit. I think if you had this in a snifter and we're sitting for, like, an hour and you, you know, subtly sip this over the, the entire hour, if you were taking notes, it'd be just yeah, diff- changing totally the whole beer. time. By the end of it, from the start to the end, it'd be just a totally different beer. It seems like it's drying out the more I drink it. It, it's, it felt really sweet in the beginning, and now it seems like it's drying out, and I'm getting more of the the wine, the wine, yeah. the barrel, and then obviously the the lemon lime. Just all the way at the back end, just seems to hang on forever. Yeah, yeah. The the, the wine is there. The the barrels there. You're getting a lot of like that's the oak tannins. I think yeah, drying yeah. stuff out. The lemon lime is almost like like a like a a candied, like a candied ginger, like it's almost like a candied version of lemon and yeah. lime. And but it's always, it's it's at the end and it just hangs on forever, yeah. it just seems so. It's a fun, this is a super fun beer because it's confusing the crap out of me. That's yeah, it's, 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 it's dry, but not like bone dry. It's like a fade away, like a very slow, long, dry finish to it. And but and those flavors are kind of like working their way in reverse as it's drying and leaving the palate. Yeah, I don't know that, that anise eucalyptus kind of, there's some kind of like Licorice kind uh, of vibe yeah. in there that is just there's so much happening in this one. Yeah, I oh. dig it. Uh, another another great show with another phenomenal brewery, and uh, next week's gonna be great too. We're gonna have another Massachusetts brewery on, so we're really diving in between. Mass represent. We, we had Mystic, we had Night Shift today, and next week we're gonna have Trillium Brewing on. Really getting into all the really cool things that are going on throughout the Boston region. So stay tuned for that. Want to be another great show, and uh, thank you for tuning in. And we will catch you next week, everybody. Cheers. 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 Cheers.